Welcome to the Wired for Success podcast, your show for ambitious, mission-driven entrepreneurs who understand that there's more to entrepreneurship than finding the latest flash-in-the-pan strategies, who understand that in order to build your empire, you need a solid foundation. I wholeheartedly believe that entrepreneurship is the biggest self-development journey you can be on, and it's my mission to help you make that journey easier. In this show, I bring together the very best from science, self-development and entrepreneurship to set you up for sustainable success. Hi, I'm Claudia Gabbett, the scientist and mindset coach behind this show, and you're listening to the Wired for Success podcast. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Wired for Success podcast where we talk about all things science, self-development, and entrepreneurship that help you get to that next level of success in your life and business. And today, I'm bringing you another exciting and brand new interview episode. My guest today is eBay Powerseller, author, podcast host, speaker, teacher, and online course creator, Michelle Hoagland. Welcome, Michelle, and thank you so much for being on my show today. Absolutely, Claudia. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Well, thank you. Michelle, I know that you initially ventured into entrepreneurship once you became a mom, right? Now, mm -hmm. could you tell us a little more about that first time? What was it like? What motivated you? And what did you struggle with the most? Uh, great question. So it kind of caught me by surprise. I, I, I guess as I look back on life, I always kind of had that entrepreneur spirit. My dad was my biggest cheerleader and really helped to stir that up with me when I was a teenager. And we did different like day uh, courses and stuff together, which is fun. But when I became a mom, um, I had been in my dental career for almost 15 years at that time. And I had every intention to return back. I loved the business of running a dental office. Um, but when I was on maternity leave and I'm holding her at home for the first time, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't go back to work. What am I doing? And so that was the fire within me that really launched me into my entrepreneur journey. Um, and so I was highly motivated. Thankfully, I found a vehicle that could help me to replace my income quickly so I could be home with her when the internet was still pretty new. iPhones weren't even out yet. So it was a new adventure. Um, and that's what started my journey with eBay. And then from there, I just have a heartbeat to help others who are trying to break free from a job so that they can be their best. Wow. And what did you struggle with the most in that first time when you just oh. started? <laughs> yes, my biggest struggle, I'd have to say, is I was still learning the disciplines of, of finance, of being really good with my budget, being really good with my time, which I think is kind of the same muscle, so to say, um, but learning to buffer time, learning to have set schedules, learning to stay on a budget, because I'm really good about making money. But at that time in my life, I wasn't good at keeping the money that I made. So that was my biggest struggle. <laughs> Oh, and I totally relate to this origin story because it was the same motivation for me to start my own business. I was just looking for a way to be there for my kids once I became a mom. Um, and I wanted to have 
create some uh, money or have some money on the side mm -hmm. to create more financial freedom for our family. But what I discovered in the process was just how much certain stories in my head held me back from building that business. Yeah. Stories like, I have no clue how to make this work. I don't know how to do this. What if I can't figure it out? What if I make a fool of myself? Those kind of stories were the things that held me back most. It wasn't so much the actual lack of skills or knowledge. It was so much more that lack of confidence and trust in myself. Did you experience that too? And what were some of the stories in your head that either helped you move forward or slowed down your progress? Oh, yes. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. I have the same. And I think as humans, we struggle with that. Um, if I'm honest, even this far along my journey, I still, I think each day is a choice between fighting the fear of that inadequate inadequacy inside and the faith that you're made for more and you can do more. Um, but I have to say, yes, I, I did struggle with the fear of, can I really do this? Can I make enough money so I can stay home and replace my income? And I have to say through self-education and just doing things afraid, just getting out, I, I realized that sometimes you're not even, you're never going to be um, completely free of those emotions that try to pull you back from being your best but just doing it anyways. And you'll find that those emotions of empowerment um, and courage and strength will follow you as you just take those steps towards what you want to do. I love that. And I think that's so important. I think it's, it's not about getting rid of the fear yeah. about doing things scared so that fear doesn't stop you from making progress. So thank you for sharing that. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a constant struggle. I think as humanity, that's just something we're going to deal with. Yeah. Fear is here to stay. We just have to manage it. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> and another thing that I always find fascinating is just how challenges change over time. So have you found that things that you struggled with in the beginning are now not a problem anymore, but they have been replaced by new challenges. And if so, what are those new challenges and what are you doing to overcome them? Yes. So years ago, when I first got started, my challenges were not knowing what I didn't know, not knowing how to run my business properly, not knowing how to allocate time for certain things. And then also just having a strict you know, guideline on, okay, well, I just have to hit, do, do the yucky, ugly stuff that you had, you know, is kind of eating at you kind of like, there's a book called eat that frog. And it talks about the biggest, ugliest frog of the day, the biggest, ugliest task of the day, attacking that first back then, not knowing just to go full force and get those out of the way first. Um, education was my biggest thing, not knowing that industry. Cause it was so new. Not everybody knew how to sell on online. Nobody was teaching it. They were still figuring it out. Um, now I've got that figured out and I've got a system and a science, which is why I'm passionate to help teach others to do the same. But now I think my biggest struggle is so many opportunities, so many different ways. As you shared, yes, I have, I have a YouTube channel. I have a podcast. I have courses. I also have my eBay business. I'm a full-time entrepreneur. So having so many different choices and continue to return back to the core of, okay, what's the task I got to get done today that is going to make the biggest difference um, in the future? Right. So there's a little bit of the chasing the shiny object. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And something um, that I see happening a lot is 
we have sometimes we just have one theme that we struggle with the most like it could be something like the need to be in control like always in control for instance and this is a theme that then doesn't only show up in one area of your life but it shows up in all the areas of your life to some degree and thus it limits your personal growth as well as your business growth so can you think of such a theme in your life that just keeps showing up in different areas Yes, I have to say, I think, and this may resonate with your audience as well, um, if they have that entrepreneur passion and that mindset, I think we see, I know for myself, I see profits and potential in a lot of things. My husband always kind of jokes because sometimes I'll see something like, oh, that would be great if they do this, this, and this, or, you know, I, my wheels are always going, so to say. So the constant theme is just staying, although all this is great, I don't have to accomplish all of this today. Like I have to stay true to my, to my core message and my mission in life. And then if these different things line up with that, great, but being really good about not only saying yes, but also saying no to other things. So I can be better at the things I really need to do. Oh, this is so important to know when to say no. (laughs) Set those boundaries. Yes. Yeah, my husband actually jokes with me sometimes because I'm I'm a real uh, my personality is really compassionate and caring and kind of nurturing. And so with our girls, sometimes um, he's like he he was a, a officer for many years, worked with the FBI. He's like my modern day superhero. And he always he's like, Michelle, practice with me no, just tell the girls no, (laughs) because I'm like, sure, come here. We'll do this. So yeah, that's my biggest struggle. (laughs) Oh, that's a huge struggle. (laughs) Um, Okay. So here comes a little bit of an unconventional question, I feel like, and I wanted to answer it just unfiltered without thinking about it too much. Just the first thing that pops into your head. So, okay. If a fairy granted you just one wish today, what would you wish for? One wish today, I'd have to say is just the future goals and dreams that I have for my family, for spending time together, health and all that, that it just comes true. Just, you know, sometimes it's not all the stuff you get, but it's the time you have with your family and enjoying that. So true. The quality time. Yes. (laughs) And I know this might seem like a bit of a silly question, but, but it's not. And it's a question that I like to ask my coaching clients, for, for instance, because it allows us to think outside of the constraints of what we believe is possible in general or right. what is possible for us specifically because so often we are just we're, we're thinking in this box of uh, of what's possible for us right now and what this question often does is just is it liberates us from that box and we are able to really be honest with ourselves about what's important to us right now so thank mm-hmm. you for sharing <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. Now, can you tell us why this matters so much and what it really means to you? I mean, it was quite general, like Mm -hmm. all the wishes for the future should come true. Yes. (laughs) What does it look like specifically? I'd have to say my husband and I have been very goal orientated. So it's things like paying off our house, making sure that we're uh, have no debt and we have our future set up so that we can enjoy our family time. So for my husband and I, that's been our goal as our girls have grown up and we have the last one as a senior in high school, just continuing to complete on that so that 
that those restrictions and those ties don't hold us back from being able to go do fun vacations with our kids and going into to just go out to lunch in the middle of the day during the week when everybody else is working. So that's that's kind of how I see that, just the freedom of time that um, a business can provide. Right. So the big theme is freedom. Yes. Free time. Freedom. Freedom to do what you want to do. Yeah, exactly. That's that's one of the main reasons most entrepreneurs start their business. And yet it's something not that many of them achieve because once they build the business, they've kind of created this monster that they need to keep feeding. Yes. Yes. We're bad about that. Aren't we? And sometimes we work hard. We will most of the time successful business owners, we're working harder on our business than we ever would do as a job as an employee. Um, But it's a different kind of work. We're terrible bosses. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> We're so much harder on ourselves than we would be on anyone else, right? Yeah, absolutely. Boundaries are so important in that regards because I think um, coming back to, I, I like to do this once a month where I sit down and I, I really kind of try to see what's my true north. What am I really looking for? I've shared in my previous podcast that sometimes I think as entrepreneurs that we're, we're climbing the ladder of success and we got to make sure that that ladder is leaned up against the right building. Like when we get to the top of this, does it, have we created a monster of a business that sucks all of our time and life out of us? Or is it something that's serving our needs and really building us up? So I like once a month to just sit down and say, okay, is what I'm doing today really going towards that goal and giving more more freedom or taking more of my time away? That's so important. Such a good practice to have. Now, when you think about this long-term goal of this freedom and different Mm -hmm. aspects, um, how do you translate this into a 12-month goal for you personally or for your business? So do you have a 12-month goal that reflects this long-term goal? Yes. So what I've been doing. So when I first started my eBay business, um, I would, you know, it's a constant, like a churn, like you're always looking for inventory to go out and purchase at a really good price. So you could resell. That's a constant daily task though. If you're trying to grow a business that way, although I will always do that. Um, what I'm trying to do to work towards my long term, long-term goal is bottle up the education and the stuff that I have learned and put them into courses because that way I can help others, but I can also be more of a passive thing. It's a digital product that I put a lot of work in the beginning so that later on it's going to reap the rewards later on. So that's definitely, I have two courses. I've already had my first one that's been done for about a year, but I have two that I'm working on now um, to finish. So that's going to continue to help free up that churn, so to say. Yeah. The passive income. This is yeah. A very, very nice concept. It's the yeah. reason why I also started to put a course together last year, I've created a productivity course for entrepreneurs to help them win back the time because sometimes we're just so busy, right? So yes. that's why I put this course together as well to have something like this passive income stream that can supplement the active income. Right. And you can only coach one-on-one so many hours a day. This is leveraging, not only they're getting the wealth of your experience and your knowledge, but you're not having to sell your time. Once you've created the whole course, your time works for you in the future and helps them as well. Exactly. Yeah. Now, Let's talk more about your business. So what do you like most about the work that you do? 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> Can I answer that with two answers? <laughs> sure. Go ahead. Okay, cool. So the first one is, um, I love the treasure hunt when I'm out there finding things and I do it. Uh, thankfully I've, I've gotten really good at it because I've learned what to do, what not to do when it comes to buying stuff for selling, but finding things and getting them for like a dollar, $5 and reselling them the next week for 150, $200. That is so much fun to me. Um, and it's just, it's really cool. And then the second part of that answer is helping others see that they can do the same. I mean, how many times I've had friends or even growing up where I worked for, you know, a certain amount every hour an hourly pay where I'm selling my time to my employer, which I was grateful for the job, but how much I can leverage that by my treasure hunting, how I can free myself from that. Um, so yeah, those are my answers. <laughs> yeah. Treasure hunting is a lot of fun. Uh, it taps into the brain's reward circuitry. So it's kind yeah. of addictive. <laughs> so yes, yes. <laughs> now, what are some of the common mistakes that you see others in the same industry making? Oh, trying to do it while they're, they're trying to do it with their feelings. They're just like, oh, I feel this is going to be. So if you're talking about my industry is reselling online, oh, I think this will be good or, oh, this should be a good, but not really looking at the numbers don't lie. Um, I always teach my students to look at the sole comps, just like if you were selling a house, your realtor would pull up the sole houses in that area that have recently sold that equal your house so that you can get an idea of how much to price your house for. That's how much the market's willing to pay. Well, it's the same thing when it comes to selling online. And so a lot of the mistakes I see is people just, and I did that when I first got started too, is just feeling my way around like, oh, I think this will be good, but no, I don't buy stuff unless I see the market's already paying for this. And can I at least triple my money? Um, because it's going to take my time to photograph, to list, to ship, you know, to make it worth its while. Yeah, absolutely. So trust the numbers more than your yes. feelings. <laughs> the numbers don't lie. You can have a gut feeling, but you need to back it up with the numbers. The numbers right. never lie. <laughs> so one thing that's very common or very, very important, let's say very important when you're building your business is to really identify what's working and what's not working. So do you have a specific process for that? And how do you identify those broken systems and quickly correct them? Oh, that's great. And that's one of the things that I struggled with the most when I first got started with my business. And it was, it went back to that discipline of really knowing my numbers and looking at it and being organized. Now I'm, I'm, I've just got it where it's a no brainer for me. So immediately when I sell something, I have a tracking form. I immediately write down how much the sold was, the eBay fees, the shipping, the sales tax, how much I spent in my profit. And I record it into my monthly spreadsheet. Then I can see exactly where I am. So I can make better decisions in the future when I'm purchasing things. Um, oh, that was a really great hit. I, and if I, I wouldn't have known that if I didn't know the numbers. So I, I don't, I used to also when I, years ago, when I first started trying to do this, build that muscle, so to say, I would always put them in a stack on my desk. Like, oh, I've got to get to that. Mm -hmm. But life isn't, you're never going to be like, let's go do the accounting, you know? Uh, so I just make myself do it right when it sells, right when I've packaged and ship it. And then it gives me valuable information for the future. And that's been a really good tool for my success for sure. 
Right. So it's again back to that eat the frog, do it now. Just yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Awesome. Now there's so many different social media and other marketing platforms out there. It's hard to know which ones to pay attention to. What are your favorite marketing platforms and why? YouTube is my favorite. My podcast is right behind that. And then Instagram after that. Um, YouTube, because it when people are on there, they're searching for... Uh, some people are looking for entertainment, mm -hmm. but a lot of the times as a business, they're looking for solutions to their problems. And so they're already down that funnel, so to say, or that pathway, trying to, to match their question with someone who has the answer. So when you, what I like to do is I reverse engineer my videos based on keyword research to see what are people already searching for? Like I just have a video going out today, which seems really funny. When I first saw, I was like, okay, but it's one of the top search keywords for eBay on Google is the eBay's customer service phone number. And I'm like, well, that'll be a quick video. And it is a great way to get right to the people that are already in the mix of eBay um, and to help a problem that they have. And then maybe they come into my eco you know, sphere, my, my community, and then I can continue to nurture and help them. So YouTube for sure. And then podcasts, just because you're finding like-minded people who are wanting to learn the same and share the journey with you. So it's, it's really fun. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I've been thinking about starting my YouTube channel, but it's yeah. one of the things where I, I think I created one <laughs> at some point. Yeah. I just haven't uploaded any of the content, but I yeah. plan on doing so in the future. It was just one of the things like Ugh, another new platform. Yeah. Uh, now do I know. keyword research. What do you use for keyword research? Great. I um I like to go on and I actually YouTube is excellent. A lot of people don't realize that YouTube is the although Google's the largest search engine in the world, YouTube second. Um, and so YouTube offers a lot of search engine options research. Um, right there on there. So if you go on and I literally will go into their search bar and I'll type in eBay and then everything that comes up on the suggested, that kind of gives me ways to kind of bunny trail and I'll look at those. And I actually have um, a, a, a very inexpensive subscription to a company called VidIQ, um, V-I-D-I-Q. And it will tell me based on my channel and that search term, how, um, how I would rank on that. And if I have a really good opportunity to rank higher. And so, and it also helps me later on with my tags in my video, which are just basically putting keywords in it. So that, so YouTube's computer can connect my video with someone who's wanting that type of content. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a source of a great information that helps me. Right. So you don't need any extra. Yeah. Here. I think I've, I've used something like, what was it called? Keyword finder or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. There's that there's a, um, and Google has a lot of free different uh, keyword. I'm Uber suggest is one that I like with Neil Patel. And I use that for my, you use that. I use it for my website and it's been working great, um, for, I should try it for my YouTube videos too. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. While we're at it, what marketing strategies are working best for you right now? And which ones have proven to be a waste of time for your business? Ah, great question. So 
I'm about the second year. So my, my company's Paladin Global Market. And in January of 2020, I started to really launch out because like I said, I've had my eBay business for many, many years, but now I wanted to transfer into um, actually helping to teach others to do the same. So um, when I started that back in January, 2020, um, started the YouTube videos and just started my marketing tactic was just get it out to everywhere and see where the fish are nibbling. So I like to attribute to fishing. You put hooks in the water um, and you just see where the fish are and where they're nibbling. I've had people say, oh, you should go to LinkedIn. Well, my ideal client really isn't on LinkedIn. They're more, for me, I found that they're more on the YouTube, a podcast or Instagram. Um, And this really just kind of sprinkling it out there and seeing where the nibbles are. And then, oh, and Pinterest, Pinterest has been a really good one um, to bring traffic through, but trying everything, seeing, stopping, looking and evaluating, and then doubling down on the things that are really working. Um, So I'm in the second phase now. Now I'm like, okay, now I've got the data. Now I'm really trying to focus on what's already working. And how long do you give yourself to collect the data? I mean, you're not just trying one platform for a month. I suppose, or how long do you give a platform before you decide whether it's worth your time or not? Because it usually takes some time to, you know, level up on that platform before you get yes. it. So how long do you give yourself before you decide which one is a good one? I, I haven't had it set in stone, but I'd have to say, Claudia, probably about three months. Um, because with every platform, as you know, um, I've also tried, I forgot, I've tried TikTok and Instagram Reels, and that's been a huge actually um, for getting quick traction. And YouTube has its own version, which is YouTube Shorts. So every platform and different social media, the consumer is used to um, consuming the content in a different way. So not only am I giving them time, but I'm also giving myself the time to learn the platform and the way they like their content delivered. So I'd have to say at least three months before I say, eh, that's not good. Or let me just, you know, focus on something else. Right. And do you try different ones at once for three months or do you do one for three months, then move on to the next? Or how do you do that? I wish I could say that I I was a little more um, reserved and not trying to burn myself out by doing too much. But to be transparent, I have tried all Um, I I literally, um, when I first started, I'm just doing them all at the same time. And then um, as I, the last probably two to three months, I've really gotten much better at at just saying, okay, this is where I'm seeing the traction. Okay, let me give some time to that um, and then continuing there. So I have my normal, like today, every Thursday, I do what I call a trending Thursday because the biggest question I get asked from my students and just people watching my business is, well, what's a good thing to sell on eBay? Like that's fun, but what can I sell? So this just reveals what has just sold on through my business that week. Um, So when I do that though, I I have a certain amount of platforms that I like to share that to, including my email list. Um, And then just wash, rinse, repeat and go from there. Right. Yeah. (laughs) It's so important to find the ones that actually work. Yeah. Without burning yourself out. <laughs> yes, yes. Where you're like, oh gosh, because I mean, I've, you know, you think, oh, I'm just going to put a post up. Oh no, I need to put a post on Instagram and Facebook and my Facebook group and my email list and my Pinterest. And yes. yeah, so <laughs> you, you got to kind of have a good balance with that and see what's working. <laughs> 
have good systems. I mean, once you've chosen your platforms and you have a system, then it doesn't right. just as much time as it does when if you would just, you know, start thinking about it from the start each yeah. each week again. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I think part of it's psychology too. I think if we make it too much that sometimes that that like I know I gotta do that. Um, will cause some in human nature, just inactivity, like, okay, I know what to do, but that's a little too much. Okay. I'll, I'll wait till I have a better time where I can do all that, but just, just doing what you know to do and doing it quickly, eat that frog um, will really help in your business. Yeah. The overwhelm often leads to procrastination because it's, yeah, it's, it's the defense mechanism. It's really like this, I can't take it. So I'm going to step back from that and I'm going to do something else. I just can't deal with that right now. It's too much. Yeah. Yeah. And then just try, and that's a, a great point, Claudia, and things that I, as I'm building out my future courses is making sure that, because I, by nature, I'm a very detailed person. So I've, I'm always having to like, make it last, like, like trim it down. Like when I, for instance, when I go to pack for a trip, you're going to laugh, but I put everything that I think is possible. And then I literally, like, if we're going on a plane and I have a small amount, I'm like, okay, now let me pull back out. Cause it's so making my courses and things that same way where it's, it's more, it's not too much overwhelm will cause inactivity. So making sure they're getting those quick wins along the way where they feel, okay, this is a safe area. I can keep going. I'm seeing progress. Um, and not too much information. Yeah, I think that's such an important point, especially when you create those courses. It's it's one of the things that I thought about it a lot when I created mine. How long is the attention span? How long will they actually listen to what I have to say? <laughs> and then the internal struggle of, oh, this is so important. This is so interesting. I would love to share that. And I would love to share that, but it's just, it just gets too much and it gets overwhelming. So it's yeah. really finding the things that get them those quick wins. And I also always like to have different um, styles of, um, of present, presenting the information. So they they can listen to the audio, they have video, they have text, they have a workbook. So it's interactive for them. They get to do something. They have some right. action steps because it helps them to take action. And some people prefer to learn just via audio. Other people prefer to see video. And others, again, they like to just read a text. So why not cater to all of that? Right. It's huge. And you've hit on a, a huge point. If anybody in your audience is thinking of having like a YouTube channel or doing their own course, um, that I, I've read the statistics that the attention span of our audiences nowadays, like on YouTube, you have to capture their attention in the first three seconds of your video. It used to be even seven seconds but three seconds. And then when you see, and I'm going to keep my old videos up because it's a progress. But when I first got started, oh my gosh, Claudia, they were like 45 minutes an hour. No one has that kind of time. They're like, just solve my problem. So now like the one going out today is seven minutes, just quick, just 
think of them like, well, that's all well and good, Michelle, but answer my problem, fix my problem. And then, then maybe I want to learn more from you as a result, but people are busy and they, and they also, like you said, breaking it up with different things um, during your course is, is valuable. Like in my videos, I've started, you put a little bit of music, you break a scene here, you put a little graphic that comes down here, different things that are continuing to make them not, we want them to, once they they are interact with us to leave feeling charged and energized and wanting more. We don't want them to be like, Oh, oh my gosh. You know? So trying to find ways to do that. Yeah. It should be fun, not a chore, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You want to engage them. And the other thing that you said about capturing their attention, something I noticed is there are two opposite extremes right now. People mm -hmm. who want to have their problems solved as quickly as possible but then also there are the other type of people who seek deep connection mm -hmm. so what i like to do on my podcast is when i do my my solo episodes i like to keep them short like big yeah. bite-sized episodes just maybe 15 10 15 minutes something like that maybe even shorter but then i also have these long interviews where people can dive in deeper and follow a conversation. So I have a little bit of both. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Yeah, because people want that. This is definitely an, uh, the information age. People, and, and I think too, as you and I were talking before we started to record, is that with COVID and 2020 and the way it influenced our world and caused people to lock down and pull away, I think people are craving that that deeper connection more than ever. And so being able to invite someone into their day through a podcast um, where they can um, just enjoy different interviews and things, I think helps them to, I don't know, makes it just helps to bridge the gap, so to say. I think it's really important. Yeah, I think it's this finding this deeper connection and yeah. it's not just the surface level. It, it shows that other people are struggling just like you do. <laughs> You're yes. not the only one having those problems. No. We're relatable. We're real people, right? We all have different struggles. <laughs> exactly. Now, last but not least, where can our listeners find you if they want to connect with you? Oh, thank you. If um, they can find me on the YouTube channel or my Instagram, it's all by the same name, Paladin Global Market. And Paladin is kind of like a holy warrior. So it's P-A-L-A-D-I-N. <clears throat> global market and i'd love to see you guys there perfect thank you michelle for sharing your struggles your successes your tips and your strategies i really appreciate it absolutely thank you for the invite it truly has been an honor and hello to the audience i'm so glad that i had the time with you today thank you you're welcome take care and talk to you soon bye bye-bye Thank you so much for listening to the Wired for Success podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you did, please take a sec to rate and review my show. It would mean the world to me because you'd help me reach more entrepreneurs like yourself who would love this show. If you'd like to learn more about creating a widely successful business without sacrificing your health, relationships or sanity, make sure to stick around and subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. And why don't you help me spread the word and share this show with your friends? I'd really appreciate it and I'm sure your friends will too. 
Want to continue this conversation, build real relationships and join a community of like-minded entrepreneurs? Come join my free Facebook community for visionary entrepreneurs. I would love to see you there. In the meantime, if you haven't done so already, grab my free brain priming audio file for entrepreneurs and start priming your brain for success in less than five minutes each morning. Curious? You can learn more about how this works and download the audio file at www.wiredforsuccess.solutions. Until next time, bye.